we regularly have conversations where we talk about do we realize that we're making the products that will empower and influence the children of today for tomorrow and I'm making these dolls and kids are going to remember it and it's going to impact them for the rest of their lives. Welcome to Start Yours, a podcast from Oberlo about what it's like to start a business. Now, creating memorable products in an impactful brand will not only keep your business top of mind for your customers, but as you will hear in today's episode, it can change lives. And that's not just shiny podcast intro speak when I say change lives. Today, we really mean it. Our guest is Yulitsa Jean Charles. A few years back, Yulitsa redesigned the fairy tale character Rapunzel as a brown girl with beautiful, kinky hair and named her Zoe. After talking with classmates and friends, she saw this opportunity to fill a hole in the market that she first identified back when she was a little girl. And that is the need for more diversity in the toys that kids play with. From there, Yalitza created Healthy Roots Dolls, a startup company that was founded with a goal to make a new positive beauty standard for young girls, especially those with curly hair. A recent tweet that featured Yalitza in an image of her Zoe doll went viral, way viral, with over 900,000 likes that could be north of a million by the time we publish this. The success of the dolls means that they are currently sold out, but they are accepting pre-orders. And if Twitter is any indication, there are indeed lots of pre-orders rolling in. This is an incredible story about how one product can inspire and empower. So join us as we chat with Yulitsa and learn more about her business, Healthy Roots Dolls. So how did Healthy Roots Dolls all come about? Have you have you always had an entrepreneurial streak? Was a business kind of always in the cards? Just take us through, you know, the, the, the thinking or the process that led you to launching a business. Oh my goodness, what a big question. <laughs> <laughs> you can take that in pieces if you want. Especially, yeah, I have to. Um, I wasn't even really supposed to go to art school, let alone become an entrepreneur. My parents, you know, I'm their one and only child and being the child of immigrants, all they know is, are you going to be a doctor? Are you going to be a lawyer? And so when I said art school, my parent was like, how are you going to make any money? Right. That's, that's fair. As, as, a, as a philosophy yeah, grad, I, can, I, can, I know, I know the, the, the look on parents' faces at that point. <laughs> so you understand do, my I pain. Um, so from there, I, I went to the Rhode Island School of Design where I studied illustration. And while there, it was the first time that I developed an understanding of these social issues that I had experienced throughout you know, living in America as a Haitian American woman and being a little brown girl. And so the business was basically built out of my experiences growing up, never really seeing products that looked like me and how that impacted me. So the, the one particular memory I have is when my parents tried to give me a black doll and um, I cried <laughs> because I thought it wasn't uh. pretty because, you know, on TV, the one that they put in all the commercials is the beautiful blonde Swan Lake Barbie, but not the brown skinned mm -hmm. one. And in, in college, we had a lot of conversations about representation in children's products and media. And I started to um, unpack these issues regarding race and gender and identity. And it started when I went natural. So I was wearing my naturally curly hair and I brought that into my work as an artist in the classroom. And that developed a, uh, a project called Healthy Roots Dolls because one of my projects was to redesign fairy tale characters. So I took Rapunzel and I turned her into a little brown girl with kinky curly hair to show little girls that you, know, you can be a beautiful princess too with your natural hair. And all of my classmates said, oh my God, this looks like a doll, this looks like a doll. I was like, okay, um, that's cool. <laughs> Um, but I took that conversation online and what I didn't realize I was doing at the at the moment was 
validating a problem and, and proposing a potential solution. Because the conversation that happened was many women stepping forward and talking about how they never had toys that made them feel beautiful or that they could see themselves in. And then I realized there was an opportunity there. So I applied for the Brown University Social Innovation Fellowship through my university, and I received $4,000 to work on this company called Healthy Root Stalls, which I defined as a multicultural children's toy company that creates products that helps young girls learn to love themselves just the way they are. And our first doll is Zoe, and she is so much more than just a doll. When I was doing research about children's products and the space, I recognized that toys can influence how kids think, act, and see themselves. So when little girls can't find dolls that look like them, it negatively impacts their self-esteem. And so I wanted to do more than just paint, make another doll painted brown. So I specially designed her with hair that can be washed and styled so that girls can learn to love their curls. So you, you said you studied illustration, and I'm curious if dolls was how you envisioned those skills coming to life. Like, did you have any particular background with dolls outside of the fact that you were you know you said you had them growing up was was, was that a, a niche that you were particularly interested in or is it kind of by accident you know based on this Rapunzel activity you were doing that you just kind of ended up in the in the doll space absolutely not when I went to RISD I was like I'm gonna be the next Kara Walker and then I was like oh I'm gonna work in video games and then I was like, <laughs> I'll do children's books and then somehow I ended up doing dolls even though I, I wasn't majoring in industrial design or product development and um, I think it's because I just saw the value in that space and the demand and the need. So you kind of did some accidental market research, you know, when you were when you were going online and you kind of unearthed a, a hole in the market that you maybe weren't even totally aware of or that, or that you maybe forgotten about since your since your own childhood. I think it's just it's just something in my character. When I see problems, I have to do something about it. And that's what I saw when I was doing because I think one thing that a lot of people with, you know, ideas for businesses don't do is they don't do the research to figure out is somebody else already doing this and are they doing it better than I could and so I wanted to see what attempts there had been made in this market and there were a few brands but nobody was doing the was trying to solve the specific problem I had in terms of hair play and so I figured I'd at least try. Now I want to dig into some of the the, the nitty-gritty behind creating your products and I think that the process of of creating your own products from scratch um, it's it's pretty scary and I think you know creating marketing campaigns and dealing with customers um, when you're sourcing existing products that's that's a big enough challenge right there but adding you know the the design and the manufacturing on top of all that it just it adds a lot of complexity and so what were some of the the initial challenges of the of the design and manufacturing process as you went from you know your sketches into trying to bring that to life so I will say that I'm I'm lucky to, well, not lucky, but it aligns with my skill set. So it was easier to do the design work. You know, I come from this, you know, art, art world and creative vision and all those things. And I happen to go to an, a, a school where they have really strong relationships in the toy industry, you know, in the same city as Hasbro. So I was able to connect with toy, toy designers and learn more quickly. And so knowing what I don't know and knowing what I do know were things that I <laughs> used to my advantage very early on. And so I took my, I took my understanding of design and then I realized, okay, I don't know how to manufacture. I don't know how to take this from pencil to physical manifestation. Let me do some research and enter conversations and spaces where people who are experts in this, I can learn from them. So going to events, looking at my network and seeing who knows people who have worked in the toy industry or who've worked on product design and development, and then being asking them for introductions so that I can learn from them. And that's ultimately how I found the manufacturer and the designer that we work with now to bring our work from sketches to full product is, you know, going to Toy Fair and running into, well, not running into, I deliberately went to go find Deborah Sterling from Goldie Blocks because she was the inspiration for our own Kickstarter campaign. 
kept her business card for two years. And when I reached out to her, she was able to help us make the right relationships and find the right partnerships. So, so you mentioned, you mentioned that you, you went to events, you networked, you were asking for intros. Is, is that sort of getting your hands dirty? Are, are those tactics something that you think are, are replicable for, for somebody who has the idea, but maybe doesn't have the, the direct line on, okay, how, how do I get this thing produced and, and produced at scale? Absolutely. I would say that for the toy industry, relationships are very important. And that's how you can find qualified manufacturers that, because people are not going to recommend you to someone who isn't doing great work for them. So going to those industry events, so going to Toy Fair, go, en engaging with women in toys were, and like going to their mm -hmm. networking events were ways that I was able to build relationships and find some of the people that I work with now. And that's definitely what I direct people to do. I know really early on, I was joining a lot of Facebook groups with other business owners and finding people who weren't necessarily in my industry but doing work it's like oh she has really great packaging design for her mm -hmm. lipstick let me ask her who does that work so maybe they can do something for toys cool and so so once you you know tracked a manufacturer were there was there a series of of test dolls like what what did the first steps look like to to get you know to get zoe in your hands yeah so in order to bring the product to market i launched a kickstarter campaign during my summer of my junior year and we did fifty thousand dollars in pre-sales and I, with that capital we were able to work with our first manufacturer to develop the first design of our doll and we shipped that and people loved her and we were getting tons of feedback so we went back redesigned her you know worked out some kinks and made her even better and with our manufacturer we were able to find the right materials create the best product that I envision. Like this is the product that I'm most happy with. And I think that she's perfect, mm -hmm. but I'm also biased. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> it, it is a lot of back and forth and, you know, bringing in a COO who has years of experience in the toy industry to, you know, work with them in, in regards to sampling and picking the right materials and getting the price point just right so that we can introduce it to the market. And those were, those were some of the challenges that we dealt with, but we were able to find a great manufacturer because of the relationships that we had. So getting an introduction to Melissa and Doug, who they're not in our direct space, like our direct category of dolls, but they were able to introduce us to people who could find us the right factory. So 50,000 bucks on Kickstarter. That's, that's a pretty big deal. Talk me through the process of, of launching on the platform and then having, having that success. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> well, so we did Kickstarter because while I was in the Mass Challenge Accelerator program, I began to, you know, get the feeling that as a young woman, it would be particularly difficult to get venture capital. <laughs> you know, maybe somebody told me that. And I realized, you know, if people are not going to write me a check without proof of concept, I will have to do that. So we built out this really beautiful campaign. We did a great video and we really learned who our audience was and how to speak to them and show them the value of our product because we didn't even have a prototype. We were telling the story. And so that's what really sold people. Mm -hmm. And we didn't spend any money on ads or any, any marketing of any kind. It was all organic. And it was because we spent nine months before that Kickstarter campaign building our audience and going to events and doing tons of guerrilla marketing to make sure that when we did launch the campaign, we know who was going to be backing it. And, you know, look, tapping our network for press contacts and getting people to write about it. So that's how we were able to generate that first batch of revenue. Now, this this venture capital angle is is interesting. You said that you, you were kind of swimming upstream, uh, to, to put it nicely, given that, that you were a woman. Did that, did that fuel you? Was that extra motivation? I mean, what, what was the, the, the sting of that like? Or maybe it was discouraging. I'm, I'm not sure. But what was the, how did that, you know, hit you when, when you heard that, you know, maybe it wasn't going to work the, the normal venture, venture capital route? My parents have always prepared me to navigate the world under the understanding that I may not always be treated as equal because of how I look and who I am. And 
that doesn't discourage me at all. It's definitely fuel for the fire. <laughs> um, just the, even mm -hmm. with healthy results in general, people telling me like, I don't know if you can build this company. And then I was like, okay, challenge accepted. So <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to do this now. Um, and so reckon, I, I think one of the things that I, one of the things that I talk to people a lot, especially young female founders who are just beginning their businesses, we don't, we should not be chasing people, asking them to invest in the business when we are the opportunity and we're presenting them with opportunity to, make money and you know be a part of something awesome so if they don't see that value go find the people who are so early on i saw that i was like you know i i can't spend all my time trying to convince people to give me money let me go be money and then the opportunities will come to me and that's how it played out yeah yeah i would say i, I wrote this on medium article about like how did i make 2018 my year by minding my damn business and that was literally about <laughs> how i kept my head down and only worked on my business and i like and i so when I recognized VC wasn't working, we, we had gotten our first check from Arlen Hamilton of Backstage Capital, but the raising the rest of the round was more difficult. So I said, okay, I'm going to build this company. And I got into an accelerator program in Durham, North Carolina called the Startup Stampede, where I learned all about e-commerce and you know doing digital marketing and implementing strategies and speaking to your audience. Won that competition, got $100,000 worth of marketing services from the McKinney Agency. From there, won the first New Voices Fund pitch competition at Essence Fest got a grant in the fall, got our next investor. The next year we won a pitch competition and we won Detroit Demo Day. So we got $125,000 in grant and got our next investment of $100,000. So when I started doing the work and people started to see the value, the opportunities came. So you mentioned that when you started looking into the market for, for dolls that would be similar to Zoe, that, that there were a few out there, but that the hair in particular was one thing that would set Zoe apart. So what was what was the process of of ensuring, you know, quality materials and especially when it came to to the hair which was going to be, you know, one of the big differentiators between what you were offering and what was already out there. So I'm not sure if you've seen, you know, photos of me or visited my Instagram, but I'm very much a hair girl. <laughs> it is one of my biggest passions, you know, I've done, I do my own box braids, bantu knots, all these types of different hairstyles. And so I already had a ton of experience in the space of like, okay, this is what I know we're looking for and this is what I know materials work. So using that knowledge, I was able to send samples to my manufacturer and have them source it on a larger scale and then send them back to me for approval. So there were, you know how people say like, oh, you know, it's like watching paint dry. I was literally sitting at desks watching wigs dry and like approving the curl pattern <laughs> and being like, mm, this isn't curly enough for me. We need a different material. <laughs> so it was a lot of back and forth because not only is there a language barrier when you're working with a manufacturer that's overseas, but that cult like cultural understanding of the materials and, and the space that we're in and saying like, having to explain to people that this is curly and not kinky. And like, how do I explain kinky? Like it's gotta be like zigzag. <laughs> so there was, mm -hmm. there was definitely a challenge there, but we, we got it down. And we were able to produce something really beautiful and share that with our customers. And so that was the, you know, the, the starting product. But since then, you've, you've introduced additional products, shampoo, conditioner, other items that, that supplement this, this beautiful head of hair that Zoe has. What was, what was the thought process on, on expanding the product offering? Was that, was that simpler than, you know, than, than getting the doll off the ground? Or was it, were there new logistical hurdles to that? Tell me, tell me about these, these other kind of supplemental products. 
introducing the companion products was definitely way easier because we didn't make any of them. They are <laughs> from our partners. Um, My Black is Beautiful from Pro Procter & Gamble. They launched this hair care line around the same time that we were preparing to launch our doll. And My Black is Beautiful as a brand has always been about empowerment and helping women feel beautiful and celebrating diversity. And that aligns perfectly with what Healthy Roots is doing for children in terms of teaching them to love themselves just the way they are and not feeling less than because of the texture of their hair or the color of their skin. And it was actually a continuation of what we had done in a previous year, partnering with other toy companies to create our curl care kit, which we developed after we learned that, okay, our customers are loving this doll, but still so many parents are coming to us and saying that when they go down the hair aisle, they literally do not know what products to buy. So what is a way that we can solve the problem of having a product that makes your kid feel beautiful, but also helps them have healthy hair? Let's recommend products for them in this kit. That's basically a natural hair starter kit. And you can try out things and see if it works for you. And so we launched that product with, um, we launched our newly designed doll with My Black is Beautiful, and we devised this whole bundle. So Zoe's wearing a My Black is Beautiful t-shirt, the kids got a My Black is Beautiful t-shirt, and they got the curl care kit featuring the full line of My Black is Beautiful products for a special promotion for 2019. It's over now, but people keep asking about it, and I really would love to do something like that again for sure. Nice. Let me ask you about Zoe. Yeah herself. I mean, you have a little bio for Zoe on, on the website, and, and I'm curious about the, the personality or the, the backstory. Is it simply a, a, an adaptation of the fairy tale character, or is Zoe, is she her, her own girl who has her own likes and dislikes? What's, what's up with the actual character uh, at the center of the brand? Zoe is her own person. <laughs> we had to give her her own style, her own energy, and we're really excited to show that in other products that we're developing. The, her backstory is basically that when she went to the hair salon, with her mother, she saw this woman with big, beautiful hair, with this beautiful afro, and she turned to her mom and said, why don't, why doesn't my hair look like that? And her mom said, do you want it to? <laughs> She's like, yeah. So then they went through the process of the big chop, which is when you cut off all of your chemically processed hair or, you know, straightened hair, and then you just grow your hair naturally. And so with her mother's help, they learned all about taking care of her garden, which is what we like to call it. And um, they grew some beautiful curls together. And so she's here to teach other girls so that they can grow their gardens <laughs> and have healthy hair and be beautiful just the way they are. She's very energetic, very supportive, very, you know, uh, excited, excitable. She's got she's got all the good qualities, but I don't want to list them because, you know, we're rolling. We're still developing her um, and things can always change. Now, of course, you had, you know, certain certain business goals um, set out when you when you got into this. But but you've also mentioned a few different times about that you wanted Zoe to be, you know, an educational tool and, and a, a, a way to empower young girls. H how do you feel now that that Zoe has been such a success? You know, not just on the the business side of that, but on these kind of, um, you know, these these adjacent goals that you had that were more around what the doll would would mean to other people. So I'll just bring in the tweet since we haven't talked about it. I I had been working on. We literally had sold out last week and then i sent that tweet just mm -hmm. and it was very timely because i had literally just you know redone the website and gotten the team ready to take pre-orders and i i was i was debating whether or not we should do it and seeing people in during this time being able to resonate with just a really cute product with a great message and meaning is makes all my work meaningful the fact that we get so many customer reviews where parents are saying the first thing their daughter said is oh my god she looks just like me that is the exact moment that we're looking for when we when we created this product. So for me, I don't, I mean, I'm all gushy because I'm just like, wow, like kids really love this. And a lot of my friends who work in children's media, mm -hmm. we regularly have conversations where we talk about 
do we realize that we're making the products that will empower and influence the children of today for tomorrow that we had when we were little. Like I think about books that I was reading when I was a kid um, and like, you know, Snow Day and like all these things that I was consuming. It's like, wow, like you're making these children's books and I'm making these dolls and kids are going to remember it and it's going to impact them for the rest of their lives. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. Now you mentioned, you mentioned the tweet. We can, we can dwell on that for a moment. So it, it, it's gotten more than 900,000 likes. It's got 130,000 retweets and, and God only knows what those numbers are going to be when, when this publishes. Um, you know, you're, you're active on Twitter. You, it looks like you have 14,000 tweets. So it's not like you're, uh, you know, you're, you're new to this, but I have to imagine that, that this, this tweet that you're talking about and the ensuing thread, which is, you know, bottomless, um, that must've been, you know, a, a bit mind blowing. It was, you know, I've never, I'm not on social to go viral. Like I'm not, I'm not, I definitely mm. would not want to do this again. It's been a lot, um, but you know, I'm on social. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. You guys, I'm on social to share my story, to talk to other people, to learn from other people. Uh, so the, the opportunity for healthy results to have been shared so massively is incredibly meaningful for me because we have been doing this work and it just means that we get to impact even more children. Um, it was, <laughs> it was definitely timely. We're getting ready for our next production where we're introducing new customers. We're making new friends. We're building a lot of new relationships. And so I'm really excited to see what opportunities come out of it and what we're able to produce for children. Your, your dolls are, as you mentioned, they're sold out. You know, you're taking pre-orders that, that according to the uh, you know the comments and the tweets it looks like you're probably getting a lot of pre-orders uh, based yes. on what people are saying um how how has it been trying to, to to turn around another another shipment and and you know deal with the the overwhelming demand that you've seen uh, in recent weeks so full context this is our first year being fully like operational with product um although we're sold out right now and so i'm you know figuring out this is it's been interesting because we had an uptick in sales from covid and now we're having an uptick in sales from being viral so i haven't really determined what a typical supply chain would look like like how many <laughs> i i'm never like when am i going to get to know what it's really like to sell throughout a year with no like craziness um so we're figuring that out we're seeing like what because now it's impacting holiday season and like okay when do we hit our when do we place our next order and for how many and da 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 da, da. So it's it's an interesting way for us to measure demand and maybe introduce new products um, along with the doll. But yeah, that's that's what I can say about that. It's been very interesting. My COO and me and the factories are working very, very hard. I will say this on, a, on the podcast. We are working on international shipping. Please do not ask me every single day. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we'll be able to get them over here in Germany. Yes. Soon. That's good. Having uh, multiple multiple things, you know, tip you into being sold out is a... That's a good, it's a good first year problem to have. I would compare it compared to what, what your other problems might be. I just, I just tweeted about this where I said like, all of my mentors are saying these are good problems to have because they're not having the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very stressed. It's hey, that's, that's true. I've never, I've never had to mass manufacture a doll. So yeah, you can tell me to shove it if you want. No, but it's, it's very true. These are good problems to have and I'm happy to solve them. You, you, you mentioned that, that, you know, social is, is not necessarily something that you seek out constantly and, and that it's, it's been a bit exhausting what what has the really massive exposure been like not not from the, the business side but just from the personal side what has that you know done to your your psyche or your energy or, or you know those things that uh you know you kind of need to keep in check to keep the to keep things going i will say that it's overwhelming and it's interesting because you know when when you go viral 
you expect to, you know, be really happy and excited and like, oh my God, I'm, this is great. And I do have those feelings, but I also have this feeling of, you know, there's a lot of responsibility now and I do not want to disappoint. So let me make sure that everything runs smoothly and we can make people happy. So that's the, that's the other, that's, I'm feeling the weight and the pressure, but it's a good pressure because it, it means that people care and people value our work. And so what, what are the, the goals? I mean, if, if you, like what, what would not disappointing look like moving forward? So not disappointing is being able to, you know, be the, because people, people are putting a lot of their, their wants on the company. I don't know if the word is wants, but like, you know, their ideals where they're like, I would love to see this kind of doll or mm-hmm. I would love to see these kinds of products. And, you know, so we we're always listening to customers. That's one thing that during COVID we've really doubled down on because, you know, we're having more conversations, we're getting more tickets and like communicating with them is like what are our customers looking for and what are the pain points and problems that they're having that me as a as someone who doesn't have any children you know that may not have the same same shared experience as them can listen and and develop new exciting products for them because that's that's my the future for the company is being a multicultural children's product so we're not just making dolls we're making all types of children's products and play experiences so what other value can we create for people and that's how i make sure i don't disappoint them by always thinking forward and seeing opportunities to create value for them so I, mean, I actually wanted to ask you about kind of the, the the roadmap for for what was next. So it sounds like this is this is your thing. I mean, you, you maybe didn't set out to get into the dolls or, or or toys at the beginning, but now that you're you're there, you've accumulated this expertise. Is is this is this where you want to kind of set up shop for for the time being, as far as you know your your businesses go? My life's purpose is to do meaningful work, and I know that when I was applying for art school, one thing that I said in a lot of my college essays was about how. Artists have a unique responsibility in the work that we create to educate and empower and influence. And so that's what I'm doing with Healthy Roots Dolls. So even even if I wasn't doing Healthy Roots Dolls, I would be doing something that would be meaningful and, you know, addressing the issues that are that are that we're facing in this world. So I do Healthy Roots Dolls because I see that it's working and I'm going to keep doing it as long as it works. So the exposure recently has been not entirely normal. There's uh, viral tweets going on. So this is definitely a, a bit of an anomaly right now but before this craziness that you're in at, at the moment what was the marketing strategy for you know for the the normal time how are you trying to get zoe and and the the accompanying products to the market with a more normal marketing approach yeah so we use shopify um obviously <laughs> and um shopify allows us to use a lot of apps and integrations that help us, you know, get people to convert and get people into our funnel awesome. and awesome. make our website really great. So our, what we were doing before, our partnership with My Black is Beautiful was definitely the the catalyst for, you know, our like our, the way that we were marketing and reaching people. So that 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 relationship was a big part of it. And then also the way that we were creating content. So we were running ads, of course, you know, Facebook and Instagram and doing lead gen and also email marketing, creating meaningful content for people's inboxes to help them understand our product and our mission and our value. But that's pretty much it. You know, some influencer marketing, some organic press, but really just our customers telling their friends that they love this doll. What, what is meaningful content? I mean, I think that that's, that's a, a, a great way to put it, but I'm curious what that looks like to you when you, when you say meaningful content, what, what is that? So our inbox, are, the emails that we send customers are not, you know, get this, buy one, get one, half off, you know, going discount out. Discount code. No, we don't, we actually don't even offer discount codes. We have a rewards program. And that, I think that just speaks to how much people believe in the value of our product that they are paying full price. And, you know, they're signing up for the rewards program and getting points so that they can get discounts on future purchases because they're investing in the business and, and the, the, 
the the mission uh, not the mission but like the brand that we're building and the experience that we're creating so our our emails we we're talking to parents we're talking to people who care about representation about cute kids and so we put that in the emails like we 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 know that kids are at home right now so they don't really have anything to do so sending them an email for a tiktok challenge with their zoe dolls so that they can do something really fun and cute and sharing sharing it with our audience so that's what i mean by meaningful content is educational um information mm-hmm. in regards to you know hair care um empowering messages for parents to share with their children and fun activities for them to do with their dolls. I want to circle back and ask you about your parents, you know, now that you've, you've accomplished what you've accomplished and that you have so much cool stuff, you know, presumably coming up, uh, you know, coming down the pike. What do, what do they say, you know, thinking back on, on you <laughs> enrolling in art school and, and you know, that the angst that they had over that compared to what, what's going on now? Um, that's really hard because I don't think my parents really know what I do. <laughs> to be a hundred percent like candid they just know that i don't ask them for money and that i buy them things right (laughs) like mom do you want to go to paris cool okay that's that's basically it um because because my parents do not they're not a part of american culture um in the same way that other people's parents are are necessarily like they're not consuming besides cnn they're not you know following forbes and da 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 so like in order for me to explain my mom the viral tweet, I would have to explain Twitter and then I would have to explain social media <laughs> and then I have to explain the internet. <laughs> and, um, but no, my, my parents are very proud. They are very proud of what I'm doing. And I sent my dad, he's, he works in a nursing home and I was like, dad, I forgot to send you a doll. He was like, yes, please send me one so I can put it in the, in the common space so people can see the beautiful product that you made. I'm like, oh, he said something nice to me for once. Look at him. <laughs> so that's my relationship with my parents and the work that i'm doing like they they typically will come to me and say things about it when their friends say something first so i'm like oh now you're happy okay like your friends know about this project that's good if they're if they're bragging about you yeah definitely so last question for you uh elisa then i'll I'll let you get out of here i'm curious if there's one thing or a couple things that you think uh everybody listening should should read or watch or listen to or subscribe to just any any cool content, anything that you find particularly educational or inspirational that uh, that you think people should not be living without? So I definitely recommend Arlen Hamilton's book. It's about damn, it's about damn time. Um, that's something that I've recently purchased. Even though she's my investor, this reading the story is is different. It's different. Arlen Arlen's whole purpose is she's she's not she's not investing in you know underrepresented founders. She's investing in underestimated founders. She's looking for grit. She's looking for people who have, despite not getting the, mm. the opportunities and the capital that other people have, have made it happen regardless, just like she did. Um, so that's a really inspiring book that I recommend. Great. Lisa, we can leave it there. Again, the website is healthyrootstalls.com. Beautiful website. Great, great content, great images. It's uh, it is an awesome, awesome store. So thank you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Thank you for having me. Thanks once again to Yalitza for joining us. Thanks to you as well for joining us. There's plenty more about e-commerce, about marketing, about building a business over at oberlo.com. So check that out. We're also on YouTube, we're on Instagram. We are wherever you are in all likelihood. So find us wherever you wanna find us. We would love to hear from you. If you wanna reach out to the podcast, shoot us a note at podcast at oberlo.com. We will talk to you soon.